Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to the Unplayable Podcast. My name is Josh Shonafinger and I'm here with Louis Cameron today to dissect the Karachi test uh, principally and then we'll speak a bit about the Women's World Cup. But first, let's get to that result overnight in Karachi. Well, late night, I suppose. It was a drawn test. Australia had 170-plus overs to bowl out Pakistan and they couldn't do it. Well, we didn't really think we were going to do a podcast, did we, today, Josh? But we just kind of felt like we had to after that, like it... I mean, it all happened and, and nothing happened. Um, we were speaking to a colleague before and um, kind of talking about where this rates as, you know, people saying it's a great test. Well, it kind of wasn't that great for parts of it. It was quite dull and, um, you know, another really flat pitch that apart from one session, which we're going to talk about, was um, was pretty kind of lifeless and Australia couldn't get any life out of it until the what, what I thought was a really thrilling final day and then it exploded to life. But... Um, you know, after all this, we're still at New all, aren't we? That's right. Well, we have to give a lot of credit to Baba Azam, of mm. course, the Pakistan captain, put on 196 of his own bat before he was out to Nathan Lyon. And as we were also saying off air, he gave Pakistan a chance to chase down that massive 506. It looked like they were in the game there. Going into the final session, they, I mean, both him and Rizwan have, have said that um, since that they were looking at potentially winning the game, which is extraordinary to think about the position that they were in. They were more than 400 runs behind on the first innings. Uh, they needed a mammoth 506 to win. It would have been the greatest test chase of all time. And they would have needed Barbara Azam to make at least 250 and, and Muhammad Rizwan to to do even better than he did. I mean, it would have um, it, it would have been incredible if that had happened. I mean, I think, I think it was probably too fanciful that, to expect Baba to take Pakistan to a win after he'd faced 400 deliveries. Like there's, you know, it, it in, in hindsight, looking at it at five runs and over, it looks achievable. But um, to ask him to do that and, and the way he went out was almost a, a little bit of a tired shot, like a, that kind of press forward. It was a bit half, um, half baked and it, you know, popped up t- um, to one of the close infielders. But remarkable that it was, you know, not out of the realms of possibility going into that final session, right? That's right. And even at the end of that day when you got Rizwan in the 90s and he's still trying to toss up, well, do I go for the century or do I just keep blocking it? And that was a real interesting little cat and mouse game as well. It was, and it nearly led, I mean, it should have led to his wicket. I mean, the they played it quite well in almost, it was hard to tell whether, I mean, I think Rizwan did want his century and he was running, uh, taking runs. I think the biggest lesson was, for anyone watching was you should bat like you're batting normally because if you do anything different it um it can be really hard to bat and he was absolutely chasing the runs but it was the last ball wasn't it of um of that Mitchell Swepson over with three overs to come after that where yeah. he, he's bunted one straight towards Makawaja why was he wearing a helmet that you know that was confusing for me at the time you know it it seemed like uh, I, I know that he'd just come in from from fielding in close and then they put the field back 
to um you know to to let Rizwan um get it or to stop Rizwan getting a signal a single but um could it could he have taken it off um yeah know, so to paint the picture mm. for the listeners how far would from the bat would you say Kawaja was standing when he, he uh, I'm so bad I'm so bad with distances Josh okay. like maybe oh, 15 meters something like that so he was yeah. at, he was at a short cover so he was he was close-ish but he wasn't close enough to need a helmet right yeah yeah um and, and he he'd just been fielding at short leg or or bat pad or one of the positions so um look i don't think that one really would have mattered like i think that they had enough to come um the way norman ali batted for 18 balls you know he looked he, solid he, he looked solid yeah. yeah i think he's a pretty experienced campaigner and, and hassan and shaheen uh, shaheen can both hold it and they would to come i think the one that you've definitely got on your run sheet josh is the the smith drop right well, yeah, yeah. He put down a pretty straightforward slips catch off um, Abdullah Shafiq uh, when Shafiq was in his 20s at that point and he goes on to score 96. So that certainly would have been a, a match-turning uh, moment, but yeah. fortunately went down and he batted, I think, for well over 300 balls in the end. 305 balls. Yeah. And, and that's one element of it, right, that he batted for a long period of the, the game and then made Australia keep coming back and back. But... The biggest part of it, I thought, was Pakistan was two for 38 at the time and getting forward alarm in, coming in on a king pair, facing reverse swing. They just The, the thing that they kept talking about, that Michael DiVenuto talked at the press conference on day four and then what Pat Cummins talked about after the game was reverse swing's one thing, but you've got to get it to reverse while the ball's hard. Um, and that's what was happening when mm. when that catch went down off, um, off Pat Cummins. Um, and Fawad Alam had been out with a hard new reverse swing ball. This is how Australia got Pakistan out for 148 in the first innings. Um, so if if that had if that had happened, it could have been really different. Australia could have could have rolled through them at three for. If it had been three for 38, if Smith had held on to that catch, Australia could have rolled through them just like they did in the first innings. Um, so. What was the difference between the innings? Did they not get the same level of reverse swing as the first innings, or? Did Pakistan's batters just adapt to it better? Well, the one thing Cummins said was in addition to, you know, getting that hard new newish ball to reverse swing was also getting a new batter to face it. Yeah. So if at the time they had um, Baba and, and Shafiq, of course, right? So these guys had, had batted, Shafiq had batted, um, you know, a lot in the in the first game and um, Baba's a world-class player and, you know, they'd kind of got their eye in, but... As Fawad Alam found out in the first innings, where he got a massive reverse bender into his pads first nut, um, that's that's really difficult to play when you haven't seen any of it, um, and you're starting against reverse yeah. swing. Like that's, I think that's what all the all, you know all the players thought was the hardest thing. So, um, yeah, hard new ball to reverse and getting new batters to face it is kind of the the deadly mix that Australia couldn't really get. Yeah, it's a real balancing act, isn't it? You really need everything to come together, which it did mm. in that first innings, uh, mm. w- which we might just touch on now. Um, mm. Stark was excellent, three for 29. He did get Alarm and um, who did he get in consecutive balls? Uh, Azhar Ali and Fawad Alarm. In That's consecutive- right. And Cummins was good. He only got one wicket in that first innings, but he was. I thought he bowled really well, probably deserved a bit more luck. Mm. Uh, Swepson got two wickets and uh, Nathan Lyon got one for 13 off nine over. So it was a pretty... Even performance across the board in that first innings. And two run outs, right? I mean, the one, Mitchell Swepson's one on debut, having not taken a great. wicket yet. Yeah. I don't know if he'd bowled at that point he as just well. Just bowled one over, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he's fresh into into test cricket. He's picked up with one hand and thrown down the stumps. And then the Marnus one, I've already bored, bored you to tears with how much I enjoy this one, but I'll do it again for our listeners, Josh. The 
the Manus pickup off the practice wicket uh, where that ball was kind of rolling to him. Not that quickly, but it just took a huge yeah. bobble and his technique to be able to kind of gather the ball into his midriff uh, and keep an eye on it the whole way uh, was was just fantastic fielding and then throw down the stumps. It felt like these Australians just couldn't miss the stumps in this test. I love those direct hits as well, which was the case with Marnus's, mm. where it hits the top of the stump and then the stump sort of just falls over. Uh, I think that's a real spectacle. Big time. Yeah, big time. Maybe we need to superimpose that noise onto this podcast. Because you see the ball and then... You just jump on it. Run out. I'm sure that's out. That's gone. You can carry on, Hassan Ali. Another one straight hit. Um, and let's just also touch on Usman Khawaja because he had a fantastic match. He narrowly missed his century in the first test. But here in Karachi, he scored 160 in the first innings. Um, really didn't give many chances at all. And then in the second innings, 44 not. I mean, what a fantastic return. Uh, from Uzi at the top. He's in supreme form at the moment. I mean, something about, um, you know, opening the batting and adjusting to it. I know he has said that, you know, I'm happy to bat anywhere, but it's not where he's batted for most of his career. And I know I know his record is quite good, mm. was quite good coming into this latest stint, but it just felt like if he'd been given the choice, I think he would, you know, he'd, he'd rather bat three, four or five, but those positions are taken. He, you know, he hasn't complained at all and, um, he's really looked at home opening. And I think it is a little bit different opening in the subcontinent, right, where that new ball is actually not the worst time to bat. Sometimes. Quick single. And he's yelping. What a superb performance. Magnificent work from Osman Kawaja. 100 in the home of his birth. And we saw a lot of spin in this test as well. Uh, what do you take of, what do you make of Swepson's debut? Obviously found it a bit tough going in the second innings, but I don't think he bowled that poorly. And he had a, a lot of drop catches. I think he had three or four. I mean, a lot of those. They had at least four. There was one that I was looking back this morning um, uh, off Swepson that might or might not have carried to Smith at first slip. It was kind of difficult to um, to tell if it was, if it was a fraction deep or not. But um, there were two and three balls uh, from Travis Head and Manus Labuschagne either, either side of the wicket off Barbara's arm, mm. both off the face of the bat. But... I reckon the Aussies would probably be sitting back there. They would have been sitting back there last night and thinking they probably should have taken – they'd back themselves to take at least one of those. Uh, I know they were really difficult. Um, And then the the Smith drop and the Kawada drop probably, you know, they'd say we should be taking that 10 times out of 10. But, but yeah, Swepson, um, yeah, I I reckon they'd be pretty happy with him. And and Cummins did say at the press conference afterwards he wasn't sure how he ended up with the – the figures of none for I'm having to check my notes here. None for 156. You know, yeah, it's like rough, isn't it? He could have ended up with it could have been three for yeah. three for 60 if if things a little bit been a little bit different. It was just a, a really funny pitch this one in terms of fine margins like that. Like, you know, who's to say Pakistan might not have made 500 in the first innings if yeah, um, right. Azar Ali had been able to keep out that ball from Mitch Stark and Farwad doesn't then face the first ball against a reverse swinging ball like that. You know, Pakistan were in early trouble in their second dig, and and you know it went it went the other way. So, um, yeah, really, it's it been interesting. I know it was a drawn first test as well, um, but it's been interesting cricket the whole way along. Maybe for the purists. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we certainly were told it was going to be a spinner's wicket, but I don't think it ragged maybe as mm. much as everyone was expecting, um, and it didn't really break up as much. There were cracks visible. 
and a few hit the cracks here and there, but it, what didn't, they didn't really come into play that much. No, and I think they thought it was going to spin more and more, mm. which is why they picked two spinners. Um, you know, Nathan Lyon, you could you could see it's hard, you know, us being back in, here in a studio in Melbourne, but it looked like the Australians were really examining the rough that Nathan Lyon was bowling into mm. and almost like they were thinking, gee, like Nathan's bowling fantastic areas here and, you know, he's – He's bowling at where we want him to. He's just not drawing the false shot that often from from Babar in particular, but um, but also Rizwan and the other right-handers. And he just couldn't. Um, he just yeah couldn't get it to explode out of there. I mean, you watched Manus bowl one over right mm. at the end to the left-hander. Who was that? That was to to Nelman Alley. Nelman Alley, yeah. And he got two balls to explode out of the rough. Um, so it just like they were just perplexed by it. And I reckon they spent five days on it and they spent. 171 overs bowling on it, and they still hadn't quite figured yeah. out exactly what it was about. So next up is Lahore. That's on the 21st of March. That starts on Monday. Um, what are we expecting from the 11? I mean, without seeing the pitch, um, do we expect Swepson to be given another go, or does Hazelwood come in for one of the quicks? Uh, how do you see that going? Yeah, it's a good question, and, you know, I'd say the same thing as what they've said is that, you know, we've got to wait to see the pitch, which is a bit of a cop-out. But the thing I think they've got to um, not do is, and you could argue whether they did it for this test, was pick the team that you should have picked for the first test. Like I think Swepson, I think Swepson in hindsight probably should have played the first test, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's where, and, and look, it probably would have made zero difference, but having a, a wrist spinner on a really flat wicket, I think is a good tactical move. For this test, you you might argue, uh, I probably wouldn't agree. I think they got the they, I think they got the team right, but some might argue that Hazelwood, you know, having another reverse swing option that might have been the way to go because reverse swing was the most potent mm-hmm. weapon in this test. I think with Cameron Green in the team, that there's not uh, that much merit to it, and having four right arm, sorry, four th- three right arm seamers and yeah. one left arm would be. Maybe a bit of overkill. So yeah, they've got to figure out what the what their biggest weapon is, and um, and either go with with Swepson or Hazelwood. I think. I mean, all the quicks. Cummins kind of said that you know he bowled thirty nine overs, Stark bowled thirty four, mm-hmm. Green twenty three. They're probably okay from a workload point of view. Um, line and I mean Swepson's just bowled sixty two overs, um, and he hasn't played much first class no. cricket of late. So maybe there's a a workload kind of thing with him and maybe you look at Ashton Agar, but um, I, I think if they're confronted with a similarly flat wicket that won't break up till later in the test, I think a wrist spinner is a, is a good way to go. And he, I think he, he gave a good account of himself on debut. Yeah, I think he did too. I just wonder as well, if we're going to see any changes in the Pakistan 11, I haven't looked too much into it, but just from my observations, I'd say Sajid Khan and Numan Ali haven't been that threatening. Um, and maybe you could say that for all spinners across the series, mm. but do we see the return of a Yassir Shah or a, a different spinner from the Pakistan eleven? The, the last time I really saw Yassir Shah bowl, I, I would say that version of him is a better bowler than both Sajid and Nelman Ali. Um, there is some question mark over whether he is that same bowler anymore. Um, and, you know, we, we removed from it, we don't know, but oh, I think he would be an excellent option for all the reasons we've just laid out about about Rispin there. I mean, one thing they've they've got is um, an imposing top order. Like, I, I know they did just yeah. get knocked over for 148, but Abdullah Shafiq, I think, is going to be – he's a really he rising, good, rising yeah. star of Test cricket. He does really look good. 
it was interesting just having a quick look. He's only played seven innings in Test cricket. Um, he got picked after playing three first-class games in, in Pakistan, Amazing. which is remarkable. He's averaging 73 from, from seven innings. There aren't a whole heap of openers that average even half that over the last two years. You're looking at guys like Kale Rahul, Tom Latham, Dean Elgar, Tiramane, Rohit Sharma, um, and Abid Ali, who, um, oh, yeah. who had heart surgery in December and he'd otherwise would be opening the batting for Pakistan. But, um, you know, Warner's averaging 30 over the last two years just to – put yeah, it right, in okay. perspective. I mean, if, if Australia had a young opener, 22-year-old opener, averaging 73 in, in test cricket, um, you know, we'd be pretty excited. So, and then, you know, Babar and, and having a having a, um, a keeper who bats at six and averages 46 in um, is Riz, in Rizwan is is pretty exciting too. So, yeah, I'd say from a batting point of view, they'd, they'd stick fat with what they've got. Um, and Fahim Ashraf, you could tell he... Um, you know, he just offered some some nice balance to that team that that if Dakar didn't. So, um, yeah, yeah it would be interesting to to see, especially their their quicks as well. Bowled quite a few overs in in this test match. So they got quite a few to pick from as well, don't they? In, in they the do. Departments. So. Yeah, I mean, whether Harris Ralph is is deemed, um, you know, up to it, I'd I'd say if anything, they'd they'd maybe look look back at um, Nazim Shah. But I think if, if fit Hassan and, and Shaheen should be given another crack. Yeah, I think so too. All right, let's jump across to the World Cup where on the other side of the ditch, um, Australia's women's side are doing quite well. They're now four wins from their four matches since we last spoke, Lou. Uh, they've had a thumping win over New Zealand, uh, the hosts New Zealand and hot fav- and favourites, by the way, and a thumping win over the West Indies who had also shown uh, some form in the tournament, this time by seven wickets. And it's got to, I've got to say, signs are looking good for Australia, but I certainly don't want to get too far ahead of myself well i think the team would want to get too far ahead of themselves i mean they were looking good in what was it 2017 the last time we we had one of these events and then it all came crashing down in that semi-final so um yes i think they'll be quietly happy i mean it just uh, sorry not even quietly happy they'll be they'll just be very (laughs) happy um it does seem like they're they've got an embarrassment of riches a little bit and i mean leaving just jonathan out a couple of days ago um not bowling alana king in that game and then dropping Wellington instead of King for the next game when it kind of looked like Wellington might have been the number one spinner at that point kind of suggests that Meg Lanning is, just wants all these yeah. bowlers to have a good bowl and make sure they're ready. And when it comes to the crunch, um, you know, they'll really have a – they'll know that their whole squad basically is um, is capable of, of playing if, if need be. I don't know if you know if whether COVID's a factor as well. There's apparently a, a lot of COVID going around in New Zealand. They're maybe two or three months behind where we are. They've already had Ash Gardner yeah. succumb to it. Um, you know, if they got a few COVID cases on the eve of the semi-final, they know that you know Wellington, who might not be in their best eleven ordinarily, will do a really good job and oh, come into the team. Yeah. So I'm not sure if this is a ploy, and if this has been on the record, just stop me. But do you think that the reason they've used 14 players in their four matches? is a case of making sure everybody's ready to play because normally in these tournaments we see teams settle on an 11 and just run with it. But are you suggesting that maybe because of the lingering fear of COVID that they want to make sure everybody's had some game time in the series? I think they'd probably do it anyway. Like I think this, they've, you know, the the modern game now, and we see it in men's creed a lot too, matchups are mm. a big thing. Yeah. Although I guess we didn't really see it all with the, um, the, the, men men's at the, edition, yeah. the men's T20 World Cup. They kind of stuck fat with that same team the one time they changed it and got Agar in, it, it didn't work. But, um, yeah, I think it'd be partially match-ups and, and partially just the the confidence that they have in their depth. I think they're, 
this has been the great strength of the women's team is that they're really willing to um, to chop and change senior players. I mean, dropping Elise Perry not long ago for the T20s, mm-hmm. dropping Jonathan now uh, in who's the number one ODI bowler in the world, I believe when she when she um, got dropped. They're big decisions they're not afraid to make, and you'd argue it's probably helped the team in terms of keeping senior players on their toes. And I believe it's a criticism. The, the opposite, um, the, the criticism uh, of, of England, who lost their first three games to begin this tournament, they perhaps over the last few years weren't as willing to make those big calls um, and maybe they're suffering from it now, but they they got a win the other day, I should note. Um, who did they beat the other day? I'm just trying to get it. They beat they knocked over India, um, yeah. just scraped home by, by four wickets. So, um, yeah, no, I, I you know, maybe whether COVID's a, a factor or not, um, to answer your question, I'm not sure, but um, gee, they've got good depth. Remember, they've also got Sophie Molyneux and Georgia Wareham. Out injured. Yeah, yeah. And, and Taylor Vlamey. Yes, well, maybe Australia A should uh, enter in the next World Cup, but let's... It'd be a steady team. It'd be a steady <laughs> team. I'm not sure if the ICC would be, um, be all that happy with that. Next up for the Aussies is India. They are mm. currently third on that table. As you said, they knocked out Australia in the 2017 World Cup, so there might be a few demons there. That's on Saturday, and then after that is South Africa, who I think is the big challenge. Mm. Uh, they're currently second. They've had some really impressive wins. They've got a really great squad. Um, these will be the litmus test, these two games for Australia. If they put in strong performances there, well, it's going to be their tournament to lose. Yeah, I love their um, I love their opening bowlers, South Africa, and they've got some Shavnim Ismail, Ismail and, yeah. and Cap. They're um, you know, probably probably the best in the world or, or close to it. Um, maybe Perry and Shoot might have yeah. something to say about Both that. Up there. Yeah, although Shoot didn't hasn't been bowling, opening the bowling as much. Um, I, I like the depth in there or kind of the variety in their batting. You know, real power players in Lizelle Lee and and Wolfhart, um, and then and Tryon as well, uh, and then Sune Loose to to kind of knock it around. So yeah, they're a um. Yeah, it's great to see different teams kind of challenging. I think that the the narrative in the past has been, oh well, um, you know, Australia, England, New Zealand, they're going to be the teams to watch, and the rest yeah. are probably a rung below. Um, but yeah, New Zealand, uh, sorry, South Africa, and 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 um, West mm. Indies standing up is is great for the women's game. It has been great. So that's Australia and South Africa match. That is on Tuesday, and then Australia finished with Bangladesh before the semi finals. Uh, Lou, is there anything else that we need to touch on on this week's edition? We can hold hold fire for now and uh, and see how the the men's test team go in their final test in Pakistan. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.